0: If you're a farmer, you you've got to thank God every day that you you, you can do this. This is a, this is a really a a good career, and if He don't shine on you, you know you're not you're not going to make a crop. I specialize in horticulture, but I do deal with fruit orchard in the backyard to the vegetable garden patch. All right here, we do mainly fruit and vegetable research. We grow organically. We've had a fruit orchard since one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-six. We have to make sure it works. We have to we have to do what we have to do to make that crop produce. And you look back at what the fruits of the Spirit are, those individual aspects. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kind. Goodness. Faith. You have to be gentle. Self control. All fruit for best production needs to be in full sun. That helps decrease disease issues. Um, but there's a lot of pruning. It's definitely a long term commitment. It's not, not something you just wake up and decide, I want to be a peach grower. Good morning. Good to see you all this morning, thank you so much for being here I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television If you're in the room, will you please give our online television audience a big hand? (laughs) Wasn't Sunday last a week ago just fantastic with Tyler and his sermon and Senior Sunday? Did he not just do a good job? Yeah? Thank you, Tyler Grant Uh, As we get started, I want to pray for, do what we do every week, and that's pray for another local church in the River Region, and this morning we're going to pray for True Divine Baptist Church and their pastor, Stephen Huntley, and so as we go to God's Word and open it up and ask him to speak to us, let's pray God's blessings over them as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you because you are good, and Father, we thank you because you are here. You are in this place. And as we come to this moment where we open up your word and ask you to speak to us, we first pause and, Lord, we lift up true Divine Baptist Church. Lord, we pray you would be with their members. Would you watch over them and protect them as they are doing what they can to build your kingdom in this place? Lord, we pray for Pastor Stephen Huntley. Lord, we pray you would be with him. Guard him, protect him and his family, inspire his mind as he seeks to lead in these difficult days. Lord, we pray your blessings over them. And Lord, now would you speak to us. By the power of your Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you have for us today. We pray all this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. This week, we're actually beginning a 10-week sermon series that we're calling Sustain, Nurturing a Fruitful Life. And we're looking at how the Holy Spirit... uh, works in us and works through us and produces fruit in our life. And so what I want to do today is actually want to give an intro to the the whole series. Um, I think this is a very important and very special day in the life of our church as we're celebrating Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I believe this introduction is very appropriate and a timely word for us all. Now, you may ask the question, why are we doing this series? Why are we doing this series now? Why are we doing this series now and where we are in the life of our church? Well, there are three things um, that I think are very important and true. Number one is this. It is that you and I have these things called faults, flaws and failures. And we're aware of them. Every one of us have false flaws and failures. And at least I hope we are aware of what some of those are. And there are things that we struggle with all the time. False, flaws, and failures. Number two, not only do we have false, flaws, and failures that we are very much aware of, but we also have false, flaws, and failures that we're not aware of. And God puts people in our life who will gently and in a loving way help us see our false, flaws, and failures. Don't look at them, but God does put people in our life that help us, Right? But even though we have false flaws and failures in our lives, some that we are aware of, some that we're not aware of, even though we have false flaws and failures, I believe that the message is consistent over and over throughout Scripture. God's message to his people are, you don't have to live that way. You actually don't have to live that way. We all have these false flaws and failures that we see in us. We know what they are many times. And then we're becoming aware of them the longer we live life and the more people love us and help point those out. And the message over and over is you just don't. You don't have to live that way. You know, you actually don't, you don't have to be a negative person. You really don't. You don't have to live life constantly stressed out. You really don't. You don't have to live life constantly under the strain of worry. You don't have to live life getting all worked up all the time. You actually don't have to live life and always be right. You don't have to live life and always be putting someone else down. You don't have to go through life and and always be mean. You don't have to go through life and and always be so high-strung. You don't have to go through life and always be rude. You really don't. And we could go on and on and on and on. And the message that God gives to his people over and over again is, (laughs) you don't have to live that way. You actually don't. There are a lot of Christians I wish that I could sit down with, and, and, and I would buy them a coffee, and I'd, I'd sit them across the table from me. and I just want to look at them and just say, you're just not nice. I don't know if anybody's told you that. But you don't have to be that way. You don't. When you stay that way throughout life, the Bible uses a couple of words for that. One is being immature. The other is being childish. Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He says, you know, when I was a child, he said, I spoke like a child. And not only that, I thought like a child. And not only that, I reasoned like a child, but, but something happened. You see, when I became a man, he said, I gave up childish ways. I love that line. I gave up childish ways. Paul said, there was a point in my life when I actually I spoke like a child. We know how children speak, right? We can hear it already. But we say, I want me my, mind now. That's what children say all the time, right? Like, have you ever noticed you never have to teach your kids how to be selfish? You never have to. No, that sin nature's hard at work already. You never have to teach them how to be selfish. And then out, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want me, my, mind now. Paul said there was a time when, that's what it did. He said, not only that, there was a time I thought like a child. You know, that that word uh, thought, it speaks to your attitude, your outlook on life. And he said, there was a time when I reasoned like a child. That word reason there has to do with the mental record that you keep and therefore the worldview that you have. He said, there was a time when when that's, that's who it was. He said, but then there came this moment and I had to give up my childish ways. In other words, what Paul is saying is there came this moment in life I had to let myself grow up. I had to let myself just grow up. You know, the greatest enemy to your growth in life, the greatest enemy is not the devil. The greatest enemy to your growth is you. It's you. And there are times, there are seasons in life when God has reinforced that message. You just need to get out of your own way and let yourself grow up. But so many times what we would rather do is justify our attitudes, make excuses for our actions, all the while blaming others for why we are the way we are instead of getting out of our own way and letting ourselves grow up and mature. What if? What if the summer of 2021 was a very different summer? What if the summer of 2021 that we are going into right now, instead of it being a season where... Uh, We go to the beach and work on our tan. What if it was a season of intentional and even exponential growth in your life? What if? What if instead of just going through summer and pressing pause on our spiritual walk with Christ, what if this season that we're going into is actually a season of growth for you? I think it can be. You may ask, how? Thank you for asking. It's a great question. How it can be is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, we've mentioned that today is Pentecost Sunday. It's when we celebrate. We remember what God did in Acts chapter 1, sending the Spirit onto the church. And the world was never the same. They were never the same. They were empowered with the Holy Spirit. It changed their lives. It changed the whole world. It's that same power that is at work in us. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. And if we need anything, we need another Pentecost. We need God to step in in powerful ways. We need the Holy Spirit to descend on us like fire and shake us out of our pettiness as an American church. We need it. We need it. We need the Holy Spirit to come and stir in us again and get us out of this self serving consumer culture that we call church we need it we need the Holy Spirit to move once again in powerful ways both in us and through us and that Holy Spirit can and will do just that this morning, I want to give you four points about the Holy Spirit. If you like to take notes, point number one is this. First thing we need to remember about this Holy Spirit that I'm talking about is that the Holy Spirit's power is unlimited. The Holy Spirit's power is absolutely unlimited. So many times we see our faults, flaws, and failures, and we think that there is nothing that can be done about them. We think this is just who I am, and I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life, and that is so not true. That is not true. The Holy Spirit can... Change anything that needs to be changed in you. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 3.16. He says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his Spirit, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. So many times what happens is we try to modify our behavior. We try to change our behavior to be a good person or to do things right, and we end up failing over and over and over because we don't have the inner strength that we need to make the changes that God wants to bring about. And right here Paul says, listen, I'm praying for this. It's unlimited. This Holy Spirit is unlimited, but He needs to give you inner strength that will then be lived outwardly. The Bible does not use the language of false flaws and failures that I've been using this morning. The Bible uses different kind of language. The Bible uses the language of sin, iniquity, and transgressions. You know what sin is. You've heard it before. You know It's like an archery term. It's where you miss the mark. The problem with sin is not only do you miss the mark, but you progressively get worse and miss the mark more and more. The word iniquity is a word that speaks to our moral uncleanness. Whenever we sin, it makes us unclean before a holy God. The word transgressions or trespasses, as we say in the Lord's Prayer, this is a word that speaks to whenever we cross boundaries, particularly in other people's lives, and the sin that we have affects them in some way. You see, what the Holy Spirit does is he comes into our life, and he can bring change in all three of those areas so many times we think that our sin problem is too big that our faults, flaws and failures are too many and that God can't do anything about it and I'm telling you he can when the Holy Spirit steps into your life he takes your sin problem where you're missing the mark and progressively getting worse at that and he brings you back into an alignment with God where you can walk in God's will and walk in his ways the Holy Spirit can step into your life. And where you have iniquity, where you are unclean before God, he can make you clean and set you on a new path. Transgressions that we all have where we cross those God-given boundaries and our sin affects someone else in this world, he can, the Holy Spirit can come in. He can not only give you a healthy respect for those boundaries, but he can restore the brokenness that's come as a result of it. The Holy Spirit's power is unlimited in your life. If you'll simply ask, and all the false flaws and failures or sins, iniquities, and transgressions that you see that you don't like, if you will go to him, I promise you, he will help you deal with it. It's unlimited. Point number two is this. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life is he is bringing us from death to life. Death to life. Please hear me and hear me very clearly. God did not send Jesus Christ to die on a cross to make you a good person. Please hear me. God did not send Jesus Christ to die on a cross to make you a good southern Christian who likes fried chicken on the bone. God did not send Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that you would be respected. God did not send Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that you could be dignified. God did not send Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that you could be successful. God sent Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that you could move from death to life. And the dead and dying things that are a part of your life, he could raise them from the dead. That's why God sent Jesus Christ for you. And he's still in the business of taking those dead and dying things that are in our life and a part of our life and bringing them, raising them to life. Ephesians 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but we're made alive in Christ through what he has done. On our behalf. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, he says, And Christ lives in you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life, notice that word, because you have been made right with God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The resurrection power of God lives in you. Jesus came to die on a cross. So that we could be delivered from death. And God put that same spirit that raised him from the dead in us. The theologians call this the doctrine of regeneration. The Bible uses many images for it, like being born again. It's something that happens whenever, yes, we come into a relationship with God initially. But also, God is in the business of constantly bringing us from death to life. And when we see those dead and dying things in our life... God looks at that and he gets a grin on his face and he says, I'm going to bring new life to your life. See, the problem is we hold on to those dead and dying things. We really like doing that. We hold on to the dead and dying mentalities and the dead and dying emotions and the dead and dying actions of our past so many times. And we hold on to them well, because we think they're important and they're actually You know, addictions that we have because we think that who we were defines us in some way now and makes us unique in some way. That's why we say phrases like, uh, well, that's just who I am. Whenever we're trying to justify something, especially with our personality or how we interact with another person, we say, well, that's just me. That's just who I am. We love saying that phrase. God loves looking at us and saying, oh, I've called you to so much more. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that way. What God is doing is bringing those things that are dead and dying in our life, and he's bringing them to life. That resurrection power is still at work. This Holy Spirit is absolutely unlimited. He's bringing us from death to life. Point number three is that the Holy Spirit sets you free from sin. You know, there's a difference between being forgiven and being set free, right? world of difference between those two. And so many times we walk around forgiven, but we haven't been set free from the sin of our past, Charles Wesley um, wrote a poem in seventeen forty The poem would later go on to become a hymn that we still sing today it 's called "O oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing." My favorite line in that hymn is when Charles talking about God, he says that god he breaks the power of cancelled sin. Think about that he breaks the power of Cancelled sin. It's sin that's already been canceled, but it still has power over our life. The line goes, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. He sets the prisoner free. Again, there's a difference in having a saving knowledge of who God is and having the sanctifying power of God and the Holy Spirit working in and through your life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.17, a verse that Jared referenced earlier, he says, For now the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? I got two people with me. All right. The Lord is spirit, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. See, you are not designed to live in bondage. You were not designed to live in chains. You were designed to live a fruitful life where you walk with God. This is how God made you. And the Holy Spirit loves to come in again, remove those things that are dead or dying in our life to set us free so we don't have that weight on us anymore and we're set free. There's this image that I have in my mind that I remember when I was a teenager, a storm uh, came through our area. And my neighbor across the street, I grew up in the country, you know it 's that place where you can like shoot a gun off the back porch or pay off the back porch, and nobody cares, you know, so uh it was that much country, so uh my neighbor though across the street, <laughs> yeah, I said that jared i'm on a, I did, yeah, y'all don't email me, okay, just don't it'll be fine, just let it go, let it go all right. My neighbor across the street, a storm rolls through and a huge tree that was rotting on the inside falls over onto a smaller but very much alive tree. And it breaks some branches and things like that. And the longer that tree, my neighbor left it there for a long time, the longer that tree stayed on that, that dead tree stayed on that smaller tree, it just kept bending and kept bending and pushing it over. And finally, my neighbor went out, and he cut down the dead tree, and he got it off the tree that was still very much alive. And whenever he did that, he he trimmed some of the branches back that had been broken. He, you know, shaped it up and all that stuff. And that tree that was bent over all of a sudden stood up again. And I think that's what happens in our life. See, the Holy Spirit, he comes in and he wants to set us free from all that dead weight that is weighing us down. And sometimes it's our sin, sometimes it's sin from other people's, but it's weighing us down. And he comes in and he wants to remove all of that so that we can stand up tall again. So this Holy Spirit is absolutely unlimited. He's moving you from death to life. He's setting you free from the things that are holding you back, and it's all going somewhere. He's doing this because point number four is that the Holy Spirit enables you to be a living story for all to see. You see, what God is doing in your life is so amazing. It is so mind-blowing, and it's not just for you. What God is doing in your life right now, God is speaking to people who know you through you you are actually telling people what God is like and what he's up to in the world. I love the image that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 3, 3. He says, clearly, you are a letter, you the church, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. Notice that, you church, you're like a letter, a written letter showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter, he says, is written not with pen and ink but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. You see, what God is doing in your life is he's making you into a living story by which he is telling his story through you. He's showing people who he is through your life and the fruit that comes from your life and how you interact with him and how you interact with the world. And the question is, what's the fruit What's the fruit? Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, Watch out. Watch out for false prophets, he says. And that's not just preachers. That's false Christians. People who claim to know Christ. He said, but something's wrong. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Oh, they look just like a follower of Christ. Just like you. But inwardly, something's going on. He says they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. He said, you're going to be able to tell. may take a minute because they're going to look like a sheep at first, but you're going to be able to tell. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. So many times we read that parable, and the first question we ask is normally about people who are around us. People that we know in our life, and we say, you know, do I see that kind of fruit in them, Even though this is an evaluation parable, I also think it is a reflective parable, first and foremost. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we just in sheep's clothing? Are we just in sheep's clothing? What, what is our fruit? What is the fruit of our life? You know, we're pretty proficient in seeing the fruit in other people's life or the lack thereof and then pointing it out. But many times we're lacking when it comes to being honest about the fruit we are either seeing or not seeing in our own life. And I think what Jesus is pushing us to here, he's saying, I I want you to be fruitful. You are a living story revealing who God is. And I want you to be fruitful. Make sure this is not you, he's saying. The fruit, well, you know it. Galatians 5. Right here it says the fruit of the Spirit is. Notice the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know if you have the Holy Spirit living in you? Here's how you know. Here's how you know. I don't care how many times you've come to church or haven't come to church. I don't care how many times you read the Bible or haven't read the Bible. I don't care how many times you prayed or haven't prayed. You want to know if the Spirit of God is living in you. Here it is. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience Kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness, and yes, even self-control. He said, that's how you know. That's how you know. I believe that this summer, as we walk through these fruit of the Spirit, I believe that this can be a summer of great growth for you. But you're going to have to do three things. I think they're so important, I gave them to you as points, so you can write them down. Again, for those of you who like to write them down. For this to be a summer of growth, I believe you have to, number one, ask the Holy Spirit for a growing awareness of his presence. Say, say, Holy Spirit, would you give me a growing awareness of your presence in my life? The second thing is you have to ask the Holy Spirit to show you you. As you're becoming aware of your faults, flaws and failures, ask the Holy Spirit to speed that process up. Say, God, would you show me me? Holy Spirit, would you show me me? And the last thing I think we have to pray for is we have to ask the Holy Spirit to show us God. Lord, let me be more aware of your presence. We just sang about it earlier. Let me be more aware of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you show me me? But ultimately, Holy Spirit, would you show me God? I believe if we pray those kind of prayers, albeit they're very dangerous, if we pray those kind of prayers, This summer would be a summer where we didn't just work on our tan with, you know, those little drinks with fruity umbrellas at the beach. But you actually saw God do something amazing. And I want that for you and I want that for me. Amen? Amen. So let's pray to that end. Father, I thank you because you are good. And Father, I thank you because you are here. Lord, I pray that you would give us a growing awareness of your presence. We know, Lord, if you were to rip back the curtain and show us all that you were doing in our life and around us, it would just, it would freak us out. But, Lord, may we have a growing awareness of your presence. And, Father, I ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would show us us. Help us see our false flaws and failures so that we may give them over to you. Let you prune those things out of our life and totally surrender so that we may live fruitful lives being sustained by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would show us you. May we see you at work all around us. May we see you at work in our families. May we see you at work within us as we go into the summer of 2021. Let us not waste a summer, but let it be a time of growth. Lord, we put all of this before you. And we ask, and we know that you will move. We pray in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said,